you seekers, explorers and renegades out there, welcome to another episode of the Alchemy Experience podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke. In today's discussion we are addressing shame and guilt to uh, emotions that when embodied can create or wreak havoc on uh, someone's uh, happiness and someone's life in general. These are emotions that literally eat you up from the inside. As with everything else, there is a balance to be uh, achieved between not feeling shame and guilt at all and embodying uh, those emotions within yourself. For example, if you lack the capacity to feel shame and guilt, you would uh, fall into the categories of perhaps a sociopath, psychopath or narcissist. But holding on to these emotions for longer periods of time and uh, eventually embodying them as part of your pattern or behavior uh, will become detrimental to you living your life to its fullest. Though as we all know our minds are fickle and will play tricks on us so how do we uh, conquer our minds in terms of directing it in a positive beneficial way that we would like to have them uh, have the mind directed. These are all topics that we'll be addressing in today's discussion, and I'm not going to hold you back any longer, so here we go. Enjoy! Jim Henson, who's uh, probably more known to everybody as the creator of the uh, Muppets, and uh, uh, one of the uh, founding creators of Sesame Street, he said that watch out for each other, love everyone and forgive everyone including yourself forgive your anger forgive your guilt your shame your sadness embrace and open up your love your joy your truth and most especially your heart when we look at shame and guilt uh, if we look at uh, the the famous hawkins scales uh, shame and guilt are the two lowest vibrations that you can have in your body that you can hold right those are the most detrimental to your uh, mental well-being and to your uh, your energy, if you like. Uh, so we, so if you are embodying, and we we have to keep in mind or kind of uh, separate. There are, you know, if you embody guilt and shame, then that becomes part of your personality essentially, and then you are truly probably truly suffering um now we can have episodes of guilt and shame in our life Uh, there can be experiences where we hold guilt and shame uh, related to those experiences that doesn't mean that you're necessarily embodying it but they can still create suffering in your life Um, now of course experiencing guilt and shame as a temporary signal to ourselves that some, we are uh, out of alignment or some, we have done something that isn't authentically us is healthy. And it's necessary because otherwise you'd be probably classified as a psychopath or uh, a sociopath, right? So in order to, uh, if you didn't experience uh, shame or guilt, then that would be a problem. But the problem that we, the main problem we experience is that we hold on to it for a lifetime. And that's where it starts to cause uh, problems. Now, the question is how long should we hold on to guilt or how long should we feel guilt and shame? Um, so now in my practice, in my coaching practice, uh, I always talk about 
observing your feelings as they come up um, from a perspective of your awareness so that you can allow them to escape your body um, because your, your emotions don't want to stay in your body. That's why they cause such ruckus if you hold on to them because uh, any emotion that you hold in your body is you holding it. You choose to hold it in your body, right? Uh, it's not, nobody's telling you to do an actual fact. The emotion wants to just get the heck out of there. Uh, observing the emotion as it, it rises up and allowing it to communicate with you because your emotions are there uh, is a way for you, your body to communicate to you um, and allow it to communicate to you what it is supposed to communicate to you. And then it will quite gently escape out. So if you don't grab hold of it or engage with it or uh, start acting out from that emotion, then it doesn't have to be so painful and so detrimental to you. You can allow it to quite easily escape your body. Of course, there is still experiencing the, the emotion. Uh, you can still feel the guilt and the shame as it, it moves through your body, even if you're observing it. Uh, so, but if you are aware of the fact that it is wanting to just move out of your body, then uh, you also understand it. It will be quite um, short uh, in terms of uh, time it spends with you. But we do end up holding on to guilt because of a variety of factors, right? I think, Chris, where I see the key difference is that uh, I think as long as one uses guilt consciously for the purpose of rectifying what you felt bad about, whether it's not living up to your expectations, whether it's offending someone. And when you have that inner dialogue of, you know, what you screwed up here. So it's, I have a way of calling it like conscious guilt, like using your guilt consciously, and then you get over it. Or like you asked, like, when do you let go of guilt? As soon as the behavior or the purpose is served, you should like let go of guilt. But shame is far deeper and shame is far more destructive because Traditionally in society, we have, you know, we think that shame is a way of correcting behavior, but actually it's the opposite. Because when someone's living in shame, um, it reinforces to them that they're not worthy of being a human being, in a, in like a worthy of love or belonging or whatever. And all our systems, right from school, right from the legal system, right from prisons and everything, use shame as a correction behavior, as a correction tool. And that's so counterintuitive because like, it's actually not serving the purpose at all because shame fuels anger, um, violence, I don't know how many other things. So that's where I see guilt and shame. You can use guilt consciously, but shame is far more destructive and shame is more um, of a like intrinsic at a deeper level. So those are my two cents, yeah. Okay, good, thank you. Yeah, and I, I think uh, from my perspective, there. Uh, there is no time limit as to how long you should hold on to any of these emotions. It's entirely up to us as individuals to uh, understand when we are, quote unquote, done with it, right? So that we can release it. Uh, but just knowing that we holding on to it, if we do hold on to it, that we uh, we do do so by choice and do so consciously. If we take anger, for example, quite naturally, anger can't exist within your body more than 90 seconds. Any time after that, that you still uh, have anger in your body, 
uh, it's you consciously holding on to it. So you make that choice to hold on to it. And that goes for any of these emotions. So technically, you don't need to have that any of these emotions more than you know a minute or so as it appears because as long as you receive the communication from it you can let it go you can allow it to uh, tra- transmute as more uh, transfer out of your body as long as you get the message if you don't get the message then it has to come back right because it's it's there to teach you something i have a quick question so with uh, guilt and shame comes other emotion and like um you said that your body doesn't want to keep it it wants to release it and let it go but it depends on you how long you keep it but my question is what happened if you let go of that guilt and shame but then certain things happen in your life and that memory is back and it gets triggered so what do you do then like when you say your body wants to let go why does it come back so is sense. this related to the same experience yes yeah, so for example say um you have bad relationship with your parents right and it, it involves guilt and shame and you want to let go of it you let go of it but then they do something and then you feel the same way again so they'll make a comment and um you, you would feel that guilt and shame again even though you let it go you told your body to let it go then i would say that you haven't actually let uh, let it go in the first place because once you let it, let it go from that experience it can't actually come back again because once you've dealt with it it is gone it can't come back so how do you know for sure at so it's gone or yes well, well you know when it's gone when when you, when you can recall the memory without uh, uh feeling or having evoking or triggering the the emotions associated with that uh, memory then you know it's gone how to get rid of how to how to move it out as it were or how to heal it uh there are a number of different ways you can do that the the way that i work with it in my process in my practice is uh, through uh, moving it through or looking at experiences through the lens of compassion acceptance forgiveness and gratitude so if you look at the experience uh, with compassion so you're looking at yourself and everybody involved with compassion understanding that everybody has their own journey and truly accepting that so in this case it would be your parents for example right and then being able to forgive everybody involved and for forgiving yourself and then finally being able to extract the gift or the purpose of the experience uh for you to learn something uh, whatever it is you're supposed to learn and this is i suppose what the quote was about that we started out with um once you've been able to extract the gift from it you are no longer in victim mode of that experience you you've moved into you've started to write your hero's story about that experience right so when you recall the memory you want to uh, uh, describe it from a perspective of uh, victimhood you will describe it from something that you've gained something from does that make sense juliana 
Yeah, it, it, no, no, it, it totally makes sense. It's just like when it comes to practical use, it's just harder. Oh, I didn't say it was easy. So, <laughs> <laughs> By no it, means it's easy. Like easier said, I mean, yeah. that, that's what we call it, the work. Um, we, we all do the work, right? Um, yeah. And when we don't do the work, we end up with the uh, experience of exercising spiritual bypass. Um, can run around being holier than thou and uh, um, still uh, kind of uh, project uh, envy and shame and guilt and all of that good stuff. But that that's the key, isn't it? To uh, do the work. Yeah. So, well, exactly. let's, see, let's see if you get some, uh, as we're discussing here today, perhaps there are some additional uh, benefits uh, or uh, processes that you can use. So, so out of all the topics that you picked, probably this is my least favorite, only because <laughs> of the fact that it's so unpalatable, and they are just these. Th- these are like the base conformity controlling. You know, if you can basically guilt somebody or shame somebody, you can pretty much control what they're doing. But I also want to talk about the 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 base out, out of all of the underneath the guilt and the shame, which is to me one of the worst things that can actually cause people to cause to, you know, perpetrate murder, which is the, which is humiliation. And humiliation is honestly probably the worst of all of them. It, it is the intentional infliction of harm to make other people feel like they're absolutely unworthy of any kind of regard. And oftentimes it's done publicly and intentionally. I mean, think about when you look at society in the past, we had stocks and we had like, you know, boxes in the middle of the public square. You had public floggings, you had different things like that. And it was basically all, I mean, the Puritans did all that kind of stuff specifically to keep everybody in line. and. And last week we were talking about similar things. And at that time, I also mentioned the, you know, Nathaniel Hawthorne's scarlet letter with uh, mm-hmm. Hester Prynne wearing the red A on her, on her, on her dress. I mean, it's the, the same thing. And unfortunately, that's also what happened in Nazi Germany. You had the yellow star that had to be worn in every single thing to humiliate people and to make them less than human. And that's the part about where I think that that kind of intentional infliction it's such a it's such a sad part of the human condition it's that intentional infliction to make sure that you fall in line and you do whatever you're supposed to do so that everybody does what they need to do because otherwise you get pulled out and i think that the opposite of guilt and shame is is stepping into your own power it's stepping into your own individuality it's it's stepping into the collective purpose for a higher good and i think that's the part about where i think a lot of people from a you know a religious or a cultural or a political norm stepping out of that is very very difficult because you know the 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 society wants you to be a particular way and i think a lot of females feel a lot of shame around certain aspects of their lives too about where you have to be a particular way and and that's something of where I don't really find myself falling prey to guilt. That's not something that I really feel is a is a program because I, I don't really accept that. But I think that, you know, shame is one of those things that it gets embedded in your psyche. And it is, as you call it, the work where we have to be able to really focus on mm-hmm. allowing that to be extracted so it doesn't become another place of where you you activate it in other areas of your life. And, and that's the part I think where it's being really, really consciously living your life intentionally that allows you to get out of those programs. 
I totally agree with that, Barbie. And it's um, shame and guilt are the results of uh, humiliation. Uh, and the humiliation is a, as you say, it is a, a tool for control, whether that being done on a mass or individual scale. So the being able to move out or, or I suppose being able to see that you are running the program and observing it and being aware of it, that's one of the first steps to actually creating uh, or breaking out uh, into your own freedom, right? And that's what we kind of do in, in these discussions is to allow people to observe things about themselves. So there are, you know, when we talk about it, people can then reflect on themselves and say, oh, is this a program I'm running? and observe themselves in their own lives to be able to then uh, start working on um, reprogramming these things. Because yes, they become very destructive in, their, uh, in our lives once we allow these programs to run freely without us observing them or uh, deprogramming them. Well, and I think also one of the things that is part of that, too, is the fact that I know my father used to work in a fire department. He was in the fire department for over 30 years. And one of the things he hated at the the station were all the practical jokes. He hated that stuff Mm -hmm. because the pranks and the practical jokes that people play on each other, the the, being the butt of the joke doesn't, you know, you never know when you're going to be the butt of the joke when, you know, a bunch of guys are together in the fire department or the police station or things like that. And it's it's that kind of stuff too of where i personally i don't like pranks i don't like people ever being the butt of jokes that kind of stuff i i feel like that's that's the kind of thing of where i don't have relationships in my life where i will intentionally inflict uh doubt in a person's mind about what my intentions are i never do that because nobody likes to be the butt of a joke of where they get you know left out of that kind of stuff because those are the things that trigger that shame or that humiliation so i mean i know a lot of times people think oh but it's so funny oh it's funny i mean like a surprise party like oh surprise yeah that's that's one thing but a surprise party is not to humiliate you it's to to surprise you but celebrate you Exactly. But to deliberately, you know, like make you the butt of a joke so that people are all laughing at you. You know, that is for most people, their biggest fear is that they'll have a whole group of people laughing at them. And that does create humiliation. And then most of the time that gets subverted into the body somewhere. And you generally don't 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 actually express it. So I've watched a lot of men who basically they're not expressing. They, they'll start to laugh like, oh, ha ha. Yeah, you got me. Ha ha. Isn't that funny? But ultimately you can see in their in the redness of their cheeks that they are not laughing inside and they are not feeling it. And then they have to figure out a way how to process that. And that's the kind of thing. It's like having people in your life that are transparent and they won't pull that kind of stuff on you. I mean, that that's also where, you know, but when you're a child or you're in a, a, you know, in a workstation kind of a place, you oftentimes don't get to pick whether or not those people are that way or not. Yeah. And it's, it does trigger, especially when it, you know, you go, you go back to childhood. Uh, it is, you, you've, we've all had those experiences. Uh, so it's, when we experience it growing older, we, we try to kind of conform, conform to the social norm, but it on the inside, it feels like shit, right? So it is triggering that childhood memory or something embedded in us, which, yeah, that brings out that shame and brings out that, uh, that trigger. 
But then again, that does give us, if we're aware of it, that does then give us the opportunity to go and work on that uh, original uh, sensitizing event. Yeah, I was just, you know, wondering if there's a certain level of guilt that can be considered as healthy or even appropriate. Like, even in the context of raising kids, a lot of parents inflict kids guilt on their kids, like, you know, as a way of correcting their behavior, not repeating the stuff they've done. And I'm just thinking out loud if there is, like I said, like a certain level of healthy or appropriate guilt. What do you guys think? I've, I have two children, and I've certainly been uh, guilty of, uh, of uh, exerting guilt uh, on them. Um, and yeah. thankfully, I have a very good relationship with them. So uh, especially my youngest daughter, she will say, don't try to make me feel guilty. And then, I, <laughs> and then we can have a conversation about it. But it's, it's um, yeah, it's really difficult to tell a child that, okay, well, now look at what you've done here. And you had this result. What are we going to do about it? Because there inevitably there is going to be that element of guilt and that is part of the process for any person to understand that they may have done something that is not in alignment with themselves yes i think there is it if you don't feel guilt or shame as i said before then you probably should check if uh, you're classified as a psychopath or sociopath um so yes, it is. Those emotions are there for a reason. They are there to kind of alert you to something within your body, and then it's up to you to commute to understand that communication from your body. But yeah, it's it's a very fine line, though. Um, and if we, for example, with our children, if we constantly berate them and make them feel shame and guilt then that's not healthy because then that is going to be driven in as a program into their subconscious and they are going to live their life from that programming. So I think the key there is to always look at the way we speak with our children and look at the ex- their experience from uh, through their eyes because that way we can then understand, okay, children aren't the small adults, their brains work differently than an adult's brain. Their brains aren't fully formed yet. And they're, you know, as I've mentioned uh, a bunch of different times, uh, that until the child is nine or 10 years old, they don't understand the, uh, the concept of individual thought or unique individual thought. So if they think I'm not worthy, they think everybody else is thinking that same thought. It is very important that we do take that step with ourselves to observe how we communicate with our children when we are trying to teach them something for the child to understand that perhaps if they feel guilt, that they understand why they're feeling it and that they don't need to hold on to it. So if they, you know, for the 20th time spill a glass of milk because they keep putting it close to the uh, edge of the table after having told them 99 times to can you please put the glass up by the top of the plate right or been there done that and then when they spill it and as a parent you say oh, see that's why i told you 
and suddenly they have that shame and guilt because they didn't listen to you, right? And as a parent, you, you might just come out with it because you're frustrated, right? So it, it is that challenge. And as, you know, as humans, we can, we can only do our best at any given time. But that's the way, if I can then observe myself saying, well, look, I told you not to do that. And then perhaps I, I then need to go back and say, listen, it's okay. It's not a big deal. But don't you think it would uh, help if you uh, listen to uh, me uh, when I uh, give you suggestions like this? If you don't agree with something, then perhaps ask me about it, right? So that you have that two-way communication. And I'm, I'm very grateful that I, I do have that with uh, my children so that when they, are, when they don't agree with something, they, they say it. But then I can explain myself, well, the reason I'm asking you to do this or I'm, I'm giving you this suggestion is because of this and this and this. But if you don't want to listen to that, that's entirely up to you. But then you have to take the consequences for it. Well, I had a situation yesterday where I've had a really great relationship with the officials in my city for the last year for different things. And uh, I got some unfortunate news that I wasn't super thrilled about. And I know that I raised my voice a little bit and he raised his voice a little bit. And then I got off the phone and I was like, hmm, I'm not really feeling that. So I think to me, guilt is something of where it's a in the moment kind of a trigger in the sense of where I thought to myself, you know, I've been talking to this person for the last year and a half and I have a good relationship with the mayor and the, all the different officials that I've spoken to in the last year and a half. So I need to make that right. So 20 minutes later, I called him back and I said, you know what, I'm really sorry if my tone came off inappropriate or in a way that, you know, wasn't what I normally am. And he said, you know what, I totally get it. I'm not feeling it either. And we had a really nice conversation. And I thanked him for all the service that he's provided to the city that I live in, which is beautiful. And he thanked me for thanking him. And it was a beautiful thing because ultimately, by having just a little bit of a twinge of guilt, I feel like I was able to go back and make that right within 20 minutes. Cause to me, it didn't feel right. I don't, I don't, I don't normally behave like that. And I normally don't talk to people like that. That's, that's not my vibe at all. I'd like to be, I like to treat people with kindness, et cetera. So that was something that I thought was, um, so I think sometimes having those, those feelings in your mind, like, you know, Hmm, you know, maybe I was out of pocket or maybe I was out of line. So I need to apologize and, and be the bigger person in that sense. Because to me, if there, if there feels like the energy is off in any sort of a way, I'm not trying to manipulate in any way. I just want to make sure that that professional relationship is is right so that he understands that I wasn't coming from the perspective. And, and as a result, it was a very productive conversation and et cetera, et cetera. And so I think sometimes it's good. Yeah. And oftentimes when you, when you have that experience and you go back and you rectify it, it can actually help you to deepen the co- uh, connection. Yeah. So he feel you feel good about it because you've you've done the right thing as it were, and the the recipient feels good about it because it, they don't have to. Perhaps they they reacted very har- harshly inside. They may have felt terribly shameful and guilty that you know. So it, it allows that relief of the energy to escape, right? Because uh, the the holding pattern there for in that case for example would be pride 
I'm I'm not going to go back because I'm I'm not going to apologize, right? Or the oh, if I if I go back now, it, it will be awkward or something like that. So it does take that level of courage to listen to the emotion that comes up. And that's a perfect example, Barbie, that it is important that we do have these emotions, but it is equally important that we give space and we allow these emotions to communicate what they're supposed to uh, communicate to us and that we actually pay attention to it and allow them allow them that space and, uh, and then uh, allow them to escape, right? I can give you a good example. Uh, my mother, she was quite... Uh, she she would hold on to uh, shame and guilt ad nauseum. She would not give it up. And I asked her one time, I said, why are you holding on to this? I, there was one occasion or uh, one situa- uh, situation that I said, I've forgiven you. I mean, there is nothing for you to hold on to. I mean, you are forgiven. If that's what you're looking for, she said, well, uh, no, I need to hold on to this. And I was like, why do you need to hold on to it? And she's like, well, if I don't, then who will? And she, she could not let that go and let, let the, um, the situation just transpire or expire, right? The, someone had to hold on to it uh, because otherwise no one would understand that this had, had happened. Uh, it wasn't allowed, this experience wasn't allowed to not have ha- happened. So uh, going back to what you were saying before, Juliana, it's, it's part, part of the process or part of the challenge I think we have as humans is to let things go. Because if we let things go, then it's almost like we don't care about it anymore. And that is one of the challenges we have as humans. Allowing ourselves to uh, let shame and guilt go does take that courage to step out of the mold that society has programmed us into and say, you know what? I don't need to hold on to this any longer. Um, I'm getting a lot of aha moment with this uh, meeting. Um, You mentioned that your mom wouldn't let go of the guilt because, you know, um, I kind of feel that way it's it's like if i let go of it and forgive uh you know myself or the other person it's like but then they're not hearing my side of the story does that make sense yeah like i want the whole world to know my side of the story it's i I don't know if it's kind of like a pity party kind of thing um I, I don't know if it's conditioning, but it's like they need to know my side of the story before I let go of this. Well, if do, they don't... Do you think that might be an element of uh, pride in that? Definitely, because um, it comes to a point where like, they need to know my side of the story to find out that I am not wrong or there's part of it that I wasn't wrong. You know? So I definitely right? think... Yeah, so I think the ego plays a lot in there but I, I like when you said that your mother said if if I let go you know uh, who will take care of it right like is that what she used to say uh, yeah if, so, if I don't hold on to her, who will oh yes yes so it's kind of like 
if I don't hold on to it, they won't know my side of the story. I feel like I fall into that a little bit or a lot yeah. or all of it. Um, I think, think you have uh, everybody, all the 18 people, including yourself on this uh, uh, discussion that uh, will agree that they have elements of that in their lives as well. So uh, certainly nothing for you to feel shameful or guilty for to hold that uh, feeling. But can I suggest to you perhaps, Juliana, if you want to hold on to a story, why do you feel the need to hold on to the victim story? Can't you hold on to a hero story? Um, you, I guess you, I wasn't... write it and for yourself and say, you know what? I'm going to be the bigger person here and forgive. And mm -hmm. I'm going to learn something from this. Perhaps learn that you don't need to hold on to shame and guilt. And that you, for the rest of your life, you're going to feel the lightness of not having shame and guilt hold, held on in, in your body. And then perhaps you can go and tell the world that story. That, that's a good way of, of putting it. I, I guess I, like you said, it's a process. I just sure. have to reteach myself because I grew up with environment where um, everybody was guilty of something. Everybody was victim of something. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you, you get example from your parents. And that, that's what I've learned is that if you're the victim, that means you are right. So people need to know your side of the story. I think we're all victims in one at one level or another. And I suppose in my, my own case, I, I moved, uh, went through probably the first 44 years of my life with the majority of victim stories. But then I turned around and I was like, why do I need to hold on to this? And once I started letting things go, everything became so much easier. Things, I didn't, the suffering wasn't there anymore. Uh, so it is that case of holding on to shame and guilt is like uh, drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. Because the other person may have completely forgotten about it and you're the one who's suffering because you're still holding on to it. So, For sure, 100%. So the best revenge is actually to let it go. <laughs> it's a practice and a process, for sure. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Again, I didn't say it was easy. Uh, but there, 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 is, uh, there is redemption and relief for you in that. <laughs> and uh, yes, I, Juliana, I want to uh, just recognize you for being a very open and vulnerable. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you. Barbie, go ahead. I think that's also why, unfortunately, a lot of times when you go back into your familial group, they will remember who you were before <laughs> as opposed to who you are now. And that's why I think you need to spend as much time often with people who are going to see the real you, the, the person that you present every day in, new, in a new fashion, the, the you that's presenting trying to be you know every day in every way you know i'm getting better and better it's like it's it's the you know when you're on a on a personal growth journey you know surround yourself with people that are going to see that evolution as opposed to the people who are going to see the 
2D version of you that was 20, 30, 40 years ago or, or from childhood. And sometimes it's nice to be around people that you reminisce about the past with, but a lot of times it also isn't exactly the best thing to be able to bring that version of yourself back because we all evolve and we all change. But for some reason, a lot of people become static in other people's memories and they only remember the person that you used to be. So if you continue to strive to be the best version of yourself every single day and you surround yourself with other people that are also trying to be the best versions of their themselves every single day, in some ways, I don't think you're going to be even anywhere close to dealing with any of these kind of low level emotions, because unless you hit a trigger from a past experience, you're continuing, you're continuously striving for these new emotions to be able to evolve yourself to a higher frequency. And the more of the higher frequency that you reach for, the better off, I think a lot of times that your life is going to become. And it is truly unfortunate that, and especially, you know, a lot of people from small towns, they end up having to leave because it's just too constricting if they want to be able to, you know, expand into the version of themselves that they wish to become. And for some people, that's not exactly easy to do. And for, it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of bravery, but if you can go and forge out that, that individual, like your own version of yourself, that is the best you, then to me, that's completely worth it. I, I come from a small town and definitely that is a, what, one of the cases for me. I mean, every time I go back, it's all the funny stories. And, you know, we all have those stories about each other. I mean, people I've known since I was a child. Um, we all know each other's, shall we call it, dirty little <laughs> secrets or, but, you know, stupid stuff that we've done in our teenage years or what, what have you that perceived as kind of these funny stories, right? From my point of view, I, I kind of look at it, uh, when I go back, it's it's a test for me to see how well I've worked through some of these things in my life. Um, and every time I, I see them and I, you know, we joke about these different things, the less triggered I get. Uh, and when I do get triggered, I make notes of it, mental note, take the mental notes of it, and then I go back and I work on that. For me, it does fulfill a purpose to be able to do that. But then I do uh, surround myself with people most of the time that are uh, uh, of a different uh, type of vibration, if you like. So it's, uh, but no, I think it's it's for me anyway. It's a good good way to see if I've worked through those. Uh, uh, areas of shame and guilt. Uh, but that might not be for everyone. So <laughs> a lot of times this society or it is these, you know, old relationships that all family or what have you that, that makes us hold on or the idea to hold on to the shame and guilt comes from uh, our family or our backgrounds, Right. Because we, I feel we are in transition right now between generations where each generation now is going to be moving into adulthood with less shame and guilt than uh, the generations that came before them, thankfully. Uh, so it's, but there is still this idea of, you know, we get reminded by our families of, different things that then kind of perpetuate that shame and guilt like if they remind me of it then i i obviously need to hold on to it how do we uh, 
how do we deal with that? You know, how do we, when people keep reminding us of it, how do we move out of it? How do you respond to that? You know, how do you respond to people that keep reminding of it? Do you laugh it off? Do you, uh, you say, well, that is something that happened in the past, and you kind of go into the spiel of how you've dealt with it. Do you say, well, that's actually something that I feel very shameful for, and you bringing it up is not helping me. So how would you deal with that? So, so I think it's a really, really good question. And, and, and it's when we, it really is about this idea of should, right? There's this tyranny that it can be external, like people tell us we should do this, and we should have behaved this way. And we also have this internal voice, this tyranny of our internal voice, the should. And so even if it doesn't happen externally, like you're talking about, it happen internally, like your mother saying that she couldn't let go because it needed to be, um, someone had to hold on to it. And I think it comes back to understanding your values and the quality of life you want to lead. And like Barbie was saying, like, for instance, her value was kindness. And when she doesn't act in a way that's in line with that, it's no longer life affirming and so she went back and corrected that and i think when we judge ourselves or other people are judging us it's basically implying that when something is wrong or bad what we're really saying is we're not acting in accordance with our values we're not acting in accordance with our needs and if we go back and say well what is it that i really need what is it that is causing this disharmony between what is happening and what what i need and how can I fulfill the need? Then we're more likely to, to learn and grow like you, like you had talked about before. I think that is a beautiful point. Uh, and it, it is an important one. So I think the, especially with my children, when I talk with them about judgment, because they are children and they are in school, and the worst thing that can happen to them is that they are judged by their peers, right? And... I always try to convey to them that you you really don't need to worry about what other people think about you as long as you are acting from your authenticity and compassion and uh, towards others, then there is no reason to worry about what people think about you. But obviously they're children, so it's not going to be something they can take to heart right now, but hopefully later in life they, they can have a... Uh, help them but uh, it is that uh, fear of judgment from uh, others we we perpetuate and we hold on right it's it's this thought that everybody else is thinking about this shameful thing i did so therefore i feel shameful or shameful for it whereas everybody might actually have completely forgotten about that stupid thing that you did or whatever it may be or that someone did something to you and you feel that you need to hold on to it because you need to show that it was so wrong right the the perpetrator might very well have totally forgotten about it so the reason for us holding on to it like you were saying uh, Reka that it should be more a reflection of our values. And if your value is love, like for Bobby there, uh, loving connections, then the first connection you have to look at is with yourself. It's the loving connection with yourself that would then encourage you 
to say, well, holding on to this shame and guilt is not really reflecting that experience, is it? So therefore, the better thing for me to do is to let it go. And to do that is to just sit and observe, uh, recall the memory perhaps, and then observe the emotion as it comes up and just allow it to uh, escape from you as well. It is something that as we start reflecting within, as we start building compassion for ourselves, as we start building an acceptance uh, of our own experiences, we start forgiving ourselves, then we are going to be able to move into that healing state where we are able to say, you know what, I'm worth more than this. I'm worth... I'm worth more than the shame and guilt that I hold or the anger or whatever it is. And that will then allow you to start that reprogramming, right? And that is the key, key aspect in um, starting to move into a, a new dimension of yourself and a new uh, perspective of yourself. Again, releasing old guilt and shame can be very challenging, but it is sitting with the memory and allowing the shame and guilt to come up and just say, you know what, it's okay. And allow that to communicate to you and allow that to uh, just escape out of your body. And you may have to do that time and time and time again uh, until it's fully released, depending on how deeply it's embedded or how much of there uh, there is. I mean, oftentimes we if we have a programming or karmic energy within us, then we tend to repeat that over and over in our lives. So if we repeated it enough times, then perhaps we, there's a lot of that energy that we need to clear out. And that is certainly the work. Can I speak to also in the fact that I think a lot of times too, there's a reclamation process on it. Guilt and shame, I think are also markers in your life of where kids being humiliated or, you know, shamed or guilted into something that shuts people down a lot of times to the point of where they just say, you know what? Nope. I'm never going to love again. Nope. I'm mm-hmm. never going to let anybody see me like this again. Nope. Never going to go on stage again. Nope. Never going to let people laugh at me again. And it's literally for a lot of people, it's the time when they just totally just shut down and they shut yep. down completely. I mean, there's a reason why public speaking is one of the number one, most terrifying things for, for a lot of people. It's because yep. they have these flashbacks of before of where a teacher humiliated them and they laughed at them and everybody laughed with them. And then the kid says, Nope never raising my hand ever, ever, ever again. And then for the rest of their lives, they never do. But I think that I really like a lot of the work that's done kind of around PTSD and stuff like that, because I think that the reclamation process of reclaiming that trauma that you've experienced and that sense of guilt and shame, and you take the sensitizing event, you, you re, you almost kind of like, you know, you re-trigger it to the point of where you desensitize it it's kind of like looking at those markers of when did you shut down is one of the most cathartic things. If you go on a personal journey, because from that perspective, you can say, okay, well, this is where I shut down. Okay. Well, do you want to open back up again? And then you watch this person who's in their forties, fifties or sixties, maybe seventies. And the next thing you know, they decide that they're going to completely blossom because they say, you know what, I'm not going to let what happened to me when I was 12 years old in sixth grade to find who I am any longer. And so they decide to have that. So I think that guilt and shame are a, are in some ways beautiful markers in your evolution as a human being. But then the reclamation process is even more powerful because it's a triumph of saying like, no, 
I'm not allowing who I was at 12 years old to find who I am now. I'm not 12 years old anymore. So I'm going to drop my story. And who am I today? And now that I know who I am today, am I going to be allowing myself to be able to be run by that? No, I'm going to, I'm going to choose differently. So it's, it's this beautiful journey that a lot of times it can also allow you to be able to go on. Absolutely. And that, that goes back to what I always say is don't allow uh, or don't waste a good trigger uh, because they are there to show you something about yourself. And oftentimes as children, we again, we don't understand that the experiences are there for us to learn something about ourselves. They're not there to learn something about our external environment. So as you were saying, Barbie, shutting down we that we we shut down when we expect to learn something about the external environment like oh they're making fun of me therefore i'm never going to speak again uh that's that's trying to learn something about the external environment but the external environment is always going to change so the kids you were trying to speak in front of when you were seven years old are not going to be the same kids that you're speaking in front of when you were 40 years old so the external environment always changes. It's the experience is there to teach, teach you something about yourself, not about your external environment. So I think that's very important to remember as well. So allowing these experiences to, if you hold them within yourself or hold the uh, emotional value of them uh, with the memory, allowing when they do get triggered to go back and just see, okay, where does this come from? Why do I still hold this? Um, and just give yourself permission or ask your child version of yourself permission to let it go because what you experience when you were seven is perhaps not pertinent or relevant for when you're 40 years old, right? So it's, uh, it's that letting go that, uh, permission, giving yourself permission to let go. Once we clear these emotions, these stagnant old emotions out of our bodies, we start feeling lighter. Mentally, we start feeling lighter. The sun is shining brighter. The sky is a little bit bluer. Things, the suffering uh, kind of dissipates. So there are always going to be challenges in life, right? But once we release these old stagnant energies or emotions within ourselves, the new challenges that come up are not that hard to deal with. They become a little bit easier and we are able to flow through life in a much more gentle way because we're not weighed down by all this old gunk that we're dragging along with us. Uh, it's having that backpack full of... Uh, rocks when we're climbing a mountain you always have the choice of emptying out the backpack and then the climb is a lot easier and quite and uh, you can actually stop and enjoy the view instead of stopping to catch your breath and uh, recover right so do yourself a favor everybody and uh, allow yourself to release these uh, old feelings, these old feelings of shame and guilt, if you have those. Good morning, everyone. I just wanted to say that I've been kind of lurking here in the weeds and listening, but uh, found the conversation very profound as I've been on a, about a five-year kind of self-healing process of my past and 
my present and everything that's gone on in my life. And finding my birth family has been a, a huge eye opener and revelation to who I thought I was. Right. And it turns out I wasn't that person at all. So thank you for this healing opportunity. It's been amazing. Well, thank you, Ines. I'm so grateful that you uh, found, found it uh, beneficial to you. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Chris, and hi, everyone. I, I'm Zimbili from South Africa. I joined a bit late in the session, That's but okay. I just want to thank everyone who shared throughout because there's a lot of aha moments that are very uh, meaningful to me. And something that I'd like to share that I've recently learned um, was that sometimes the when you feel shame or guilt is... Or, or people that make you feel shame or guilt are people who are trying to disempower you. Yeah. And at times you also feel disempowered um, with that feeling that you get. And then, um, like, uh, I, I forgot her name, but the lady who had an uncomfortable conversation with the mayor and she realized that she was not feeling comfortable but both of them had like a moment where they were raising their voices and then for her to also take back that empowerment and realize that you know this is not what I choose to be and I'm not going to allow this to not saying that this is what went on through her mind but that's how I received it and the sense of empowering herself again because that situation may have taken something that may have made her feel disempowered and and I just really appreciate a platform like this. And lastly, on the conversation about, you know, our parents' influence and where some of our guilt comes from, I struggled a lot, probably for the past um, 24 years, 25-ish years, um, with something that my mom never intended. And I only could actually hear her side this year when I said to her and it was when I was a kid so she she was a teacher and she jokingly said to one of her students that you're as ugly as my child Simbili so when I randomly was walking in town and then bumped into this um, student she was like oh yeah you're Simbili like you're the one um, your mom said I'm as ugly as you and that was like the blueprint to me. So it, I've always struggled and felt like, you know, my physical oh. features will never be enough. And I've always come across a lot of people categorizing me like that. Mm-hmm. And it had a major impact, even though I tried to change the narrative for myself. But like when I told my mom that, um, she was so shocked that that was the interpretation I had and what she explained was that no to her there was no intention of actually saying that I'm ugly or to anyone she always um it's almost like jokingly and in the culture it's it's not meant to be harmful and I, I think for me hearing that perspective kind of made me try to change my narrative of what that situation meant and for that I was also trying to empower myself and it's it's like harm that was not intended but I internalized it as from a very young age and I carried it for a very long time but now it's also taking me a long time to 
change the narrative, but I think um, hearing how sorry she was, you know, and hearing that she she never really intended that um, kind of made me feel better mm-hmm. and it, want to change the narrative in my head. But on that, I just want to thank everyone for sharing their ideas and experiences as well. Well, thank you, Zimbele. I think the the it's important because you as an adult, once you have that moment with your mother, going back and having that conversation with your childhood self uh, to ask for permission to let it go and to forgive yourself for having carried it for so long might be useful as well. I don't know if that resonates with you, Zimbele. Actually, it does. I never thought of that. But permission, yes. Hmm, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Beautiful. Well, there was some uh, very beautiful stories here on the end. I appreciate that. Thank you, Zemili and Ines. Uh, good morning. Um, I just want to say thank you so much. I've, As someone's already put in the chat, I have so many aha moments. Um, my mind is... Uh, feeling joyous right now with all these discoveries. Um, um, thank you so much for everyone who contributed because it really was very uh, diverse with um, different aspects of thinking about uh, shame and guilt. And um, I'm really appreciative and thank you again. Oh, thank you, Jen. I appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for showing up and uh, being yourself and bringing your best energy. Take care now. Perhaps not one of the most light and joyful topics, but all the same, very important to uh, discover these aspects about yourself and allow yourself to heal from any potential guilt and shame that you embody. And it's always lovely to hear that kind of feedback that we heard from some of our discussion members that, uh, that they had gained insights that are going to be beneficial to them on their journeys. The embodiment of shame and guilt uh, typically do spring from our core wounding and can be very difficult to ascertain the origin of uh, where they come from. If you are interested in learning techniques and practices to uh, discover your core wounds and uh, uh, to learn how to start clearing them out and clearing your energy blockages uh, within yourself, then uh, please do head over to theinfinity.life and uh, check out the courses we have on uh, core wound clearing and energy blockages clearing. And of course, if you're interested in uh, exploring these kind of topics more as how they pertain to yourself in a a workshop type environment, then uh, please do head over to thealchemyexperience.co.uk and uh, schedule a free 30-minute consultation with us to see how we might be able to assist you in uh, exploring these topics from uh, your perspective. In the meantime, I wish you all the best and I hope to see you back here on uh, the Alchemist Experience podcast very soon. In the meantime, take care.